Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Matt Jarbo. This is Three Buck Theater. Today is the 12th of November, 2018, and it will be a day, 100%, that will live in infamy if you are not only a comic book fan, a pop culture fan, a movie fan, a superhero movie fan, or you just happen to live at all uh, in this modern age. Um, as you can see on the screen, Stan Lee is is there. Uh, the thumbnail for today's video uh, as I was getting ready to record this, putting together today's episode, I uh, caught wind that he passed away at the age of 95. And that hit me like a ton of damn bricks. It hit me like a ton of bricks because you kind of expected he's, he's 95 years old, but it's like in that moment, right? In that moment, you just kind of like, it just guts you. And, and for me, it hit harder. And this is a weird, unrelated thing, but I was just discussing with my girlfriend going to see my grandfather, who's 86, who I haven't seen in a while, and her using the phrase, well, you don't know how much longer he's going to be around, right? And then I'm like, yeah, I really should go see him. And then, you know, this happens and I'm immediately thrust into the mindset of, oh man, I got to go talk to family. It's not that, it's not that to me, Stanley was family. I've met him one time. I met him at Comic-Con a long time ago. He was, uh, he was outside of Comic-Con uh, walking with some of the Marvel guys, and we just happened to be at the street corner together. Uh, myself, a couple friends, Stan Lee, uh, and, and I just kind of like, oh my God, you're Stan Lee. And he's all like, hey, and we're like, I'm like, can, can, I get, can I get an autograph? And he, all I had was my badge, and he signed my badge, uh, called me True Believer, and then and then left and it was just such a cool moment to meet Stan Lee you know what i mean is to meet him on the on the on the street corner outside of comic con when you could still do such a thing before it became as big and massive as it did and then of course he's had a hell of a last 18 months uh, a little you know his wife passing away then there was the the uh, the theft from his organization his pers the, the personal theft uh, by his per former assistant or friend or ad advisor or whatever. Uh, there was the, the Me Too accusations that came and very quickly went. No one talked about those. Uh, and and he kind of seemed like he was getting back on, on the right track. He, this, this last year and a half of his life is, is such a terrible reflection of how we treat the elderly in this country. And it's such a terrible, terrible way for him to, to have his last his last spotlight, if you will, is going to be mired in controversy, but I don't want that. To me, Stan Lee is, is a visionary, a creative, a person who, who sheds so much light on darkness in this world, who contributed more to pop culture than probably nearly anybody else. A person whose own mind creations prompted me to, to get into wanting to talk about movies and superhero stuff. And, and so for that, to part of my career is because of him. And watching these movies, that these Marvel movies over the course of the past, you know, nearly 20 years and seeing him pop up in each one has become such a staple, become such, uh, such a, a, a great moment in those films you look forward to. And unfortunately, after what they've already shot, which I think is the next couple of them, that's it. No more, you know, and there's a sadness in that. There's a comfort in seeing, in seeing Stanley in a movie. There is. There's a comfort. And that's going to be gone. That's, that's going to be gone when they finish it up, whenever, whenever they finish it up, however they finish it up. It's sad. It, it really, really is sad that Stanley has passed away. But before I move on to talking about the next subject matter, I do want to uh, tell you guys my favorite Stanley, 
cameo. And I want you in the chat to post your favorite Stan Lee cameo. Uh, mine is actually, interestingly enough, Avengers, right? The Avengers from 2012. And it's not just so much that Stan Lee is there. It's the setting that he's in. Because the setting that he's in, I believe, was purposefully done as a way, as a nod, if you will, to the X-Men. Specifically, X-Men 3 Last Stand. Or where at the end of that one, after Magneto ends up losing his powers, it's him sitting alone in a park playing chess. And he moves a piece very briefly. And that's where it ends. Like he's getting his powers back. Now, if you go and you look at that scene again, Stanley is sitting at a park with an elderly gray-haired man in very similar attire to Ian McKellen with the same similar build to Ian McKellen, a similar hairstyle to Ian McKellen, and they're playing chess in a New York park. I've always looked at that as Joss Whedon's subtle nod, and maybe even Kevin Feige's subtle nod, to his roots, right? That was a culmination at the time, in my opinion, of everything Feige had set out to do, you know, four years into the MCU, five films at that point. And they had done this, this big epic feat that was going to launch everything into this, in, in, into the stratosphere. You know what I mean? And then they nodded back to that moment in X-Men. I don't know if it's significant. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's Feige or if it's a Whedon or if it's a combination, but it's there. That's my favorite. So if you feel sad today, if you feel upset today, if you are if you are angry at the world today as a result of this, know that death is a natural part of life. But it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to think back to all the joy and wonder this dude has brought into our lives as just geeks. And, and to know that he has left a mark on society greater than most of us ever will. That's his memory. That's his legacy. If I don't stop talking about it, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna cry a little bit. I'm getting teary. But Rip Stanley, may you find the peace now that you've been seeking for the last year and a half. May you be reunited with Joan and tell stories until the end of time. Yeah. All right. Box office. Let's talk about the box office. Something a little bit better this weekend. So it's Monday. The 12th, we get a look at the, the weekend totals for what came out. And of course, the Grinch number one at 66 million, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, number two at 30 million uh, with a world with a total gross of 100 million. Not too bad for that one. Uh, Overlord only 10 million, but I don't think the movie was going to make as much money as they wanted it to. It probably would have made more money selling it to Netflix. But then again, the Cloverfield paradox was a bit of a miss uh, in, in certain regards. So, uh, I don't think Netflix wanted to dive in just as much, but they'll probably pick it up on the home video rights. Uh, the nutcracker in the four realms, 9.6 million, giving it a total of 35 million. The girl in the spider's web at number five kind of crashed and burned with, uh, with, with only 8 million. And that one is weird to me because you figure in the me too movement, we're a year into me too. We're mirroring a year into all of this stuff. Uh, uh, Claire Foy as a badass kind of female James Bond 
vigilante type uh, in a dark thriller, like a dark erotic thriller would have probably brought women in. I mean, they flocked to the cinema to go see, uh, you know, Anastasia Steele get the shit beat out of her and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. You figure they they would have come to this. But no, they didn't. And that's kind of weird, isn't it? That, that That's very weird. But this probably is going to end the run for uh, the Elizabeth Salander series, which is unfortunate because I very much loved the books. Uh, I loved David Fincher's version of the film. I liked the uh, the the Swedish versions of the films with Numi Rapace. Uh, but this one, I just haven't got around to seeing yet, but I do want to see it because Fide Alvarez is definitely a good director and one that I like quite a bit. Uh, then you've got A Star is Born with $8 million, but it's nearing the $200 million mark, and that's pretty damn good. Uh, Nobody's Fool, which is a Tyler Perry film. Uh, 24 or it's 6.5 million, but total of nearly 25 million so far, uh, which isn't bad for, again, for Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry, uh, just knows his markets and those will do very well in the home video. Of course, number eight is Venom, uh, with 4.9 million, putting it over. Well, it's already been over, but it's now, uh, definitely 206 million domestic. And we'll talk about later on. Actually, next, we're going to talk about how much it's made total worldwide, uh, Halloween, 3.8 3.8 million, but $156 million take home for that kind of movie is not bad. Guaranteed sequels to come. And then the hate you give, uh, 2.1 million, uh, only $26 million gross. Uh, and that one is one that I think is, again, it's kind of a hit or miss. Um, I, the, the saddest thing about the hate you give is that the woman who wrote the screenplay died of cancer, like the week the movie came out. That's the saddest thing about that movie, uh, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I didn't really see that talked about much, but that, that's true. That happened. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Grinch will be able to hold off fantastic beasts next week. It probably won't. Fantastic beasts is going to probably pull in between 80 and 90 million. And then of course, we're going to be going really, really, really into everything else for the holiday, uh, for the holiday season. So jumping over here to, uh, to Venom. Uh, since your Venom just passed Justice League at the box office. Now, this is one that I feel is is almost being reported kind of with petty intentions, if I'm being honest, right? Like, I don't think anyone expected Venom to do what it's done, and everyone expected Justice League to do a lot better. Everyone expected Justice League to do uh, just just insane amounts of business, and it tapered out at about $650 million worldwide when Wonder Woman was like $800 million worldwide And it just was a bit of a mess. And I don't know how the home video numbers were for this one. But it says here uh, that the uh, symbiote fell Superman and company on the strength of its opening in China, where the film debuted debuted, uh, past Friday. After a $34.2 million opening day in China, Venom exceeded expectations and then some, raking in $111 million in this opening weekend. Uh, That along with money uh, Venom made domestically and in other markets over the weekend, that vaults Sony's film to almost $675 million worldwide, well above Justice League's $657 million, uh, as noted by CNET. Now, uh, the $111 million Chinese opening is the best any Sony film has ever done in the country and is the second best opening for a superhero movie there behind Avengers Infinity War with $191 million. So basically, what does that tell us? That tells us that Venom has legs. And again, and again, and again, no one saw Venom having legs. No one saw this being a thing. No one saw Venom like having this kind of power, but it does. And I just, I just would like to reiterate what uncle Ben would say with great power comes great responsibility. I'm looking at you, Sony. I'm looking at you, Pascal, Arad and and Rothman. What are you going to do now? Beside hold Feige's feet to the fire. Let's be fair. Holding Feige's feet to the fire in this case is probably what they're going to do because this movie 
on its own, an origin story has grossed more than Ant-Man of the Wasp did. Uh, it grossed more than a few of the other Marvel movies. And it's it's an ancillary character. It's a side character. No Spider-Man. No major player. People still went to go see it. And they ultimately liked it. I mean, whether or not the critic reviews on it are one thing. It, they, they still liked the damn film. I Okay. Like, I'm still in my mind trying to wrap my head around that. Like, I, I, I'm i sure at Sony, everyone's like, we expected this to kind of tank. But it did okay. It did, it did all right. It did all right. So, of course... You know, there's there's still not been a Venom sequel announcement, which is very weird. And I think the reason for that is because they were waiting on the Chinese release. They were waiting to see what it did over there because they want to tie it to the MCU. There's greater money in bringing it into the MCU. There is. There's greater money. Working a deal with Feige and Disney to make that a thing uh, is 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 going to very much be the future uh, of what they what Pascal wants. This is what Pascal wants. It's why they haven't done it yet. But I guarantee you they're already working on it. I guarantee you a script has already been commissioned. I guarantee you Ruben Fleischer is already gearing up to go into production on uh, on on Venom 2, whatever it's going to be, uh, Venom versus Spider-Man, whatever they're going to do. As soon as he's done working on uh, on on Zombieland 2, I guarantee that's going to happen because right now uh, Tom uh, Holland has already finished up shooting Spider-Man Far From Home. So uh, Avengers Infinity War has already gone through the reshoots or they're doing that right now. So whatever he has to do, it might be in there. I don't know yet. Um, and then, of course, it's going to be everything else. So, yeah, I think uh, I have a feeling we're going to see a fair amount coming out of this. Ooh, 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 ooh. The next few months are going to be very interesting as Amy Pascal gets that modicum of power back that she lost four years ago because of the Sony hack. Right. She's getting her power back. She, she took her lumps. She's coming back into the fray. And I think she's coming back with a vengeance. And oh, man, if Feige isn't careful, she's going to totally take over and probably in all in all reality, fuck everything up. Let's let's be fair here. So let's talk about things being weird. And I don't get it. But at the same time, I do get it here. Uh, according to a new study, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, a show that will probably be ending its entire run after this next season, which airs in the summer. It's a shortened season, probably to wrap everything up after the events of uh, Infinity War. So that's going to tie up the that's going to bookend the first, you know, this new phase. Well, not well, not going to bookend it entirely as Spider-Man Far From Home, but it's going to essentially be the bookend and uh, of the first 10 years, 11 years. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to end up uh, pretty much coming to an end around that time. And I feel bad that I haven't caught up with the show. I stopped watching it around the first few episodes of season three, I just, I got busy and I, I forgot to go back to it, but I need to check it out. Now it says here uh, that uh, a new study courtesy of the data science company Parrot Analytics uh, claims that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is Marvel Television's strongest brand worldwide, meaning that its brand is stronger than all of Netflix's Marvel shows, as well as the shows on other platforms. If the data is accurate, it's not altogether surprising that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a stronger brand than series like Cloak and Dagger and Runaways, which air on Freeform and Hulu, respectively, and haven't gained widespread attention yet. Well, I think also part of that, too, is the fact that Runaways is not very good. It's okay, but like I never finished the first season. I just got kind of bored with it. Uh, I do want to go back and 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 finish it so I can then be ready for season two. Maybe it gets better. I need to do more reviews, so I need to kind of get back into it. Same with The Gifted. I just haven't been able to keep up. I haven't even seen Legion at all either season. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm terrible, but I'm raising a kid. It's hard to do everything. Uh, but Cloak and Dagger, I, I also, that's free form is cable. It's, it's Hulu is paid. Hulu has got 20 million people using it. 
right? Not everyone's in there for Marvel stuff. Uh, Freeform is cable TV. I don't know the I don't know the uh, the the breakdown in terms of the viewer uh, uh, metrics, but at the same time, Netflix has a hundred million people, and we have seen the popularity of those Marvel shows start to drop after the Defenders. And I think also part of this to do with the fact that Mar that they haven't been marketing it. They haven't been marketing it at all. Anyway, uh, it says here, a bigger surprise is that S.H.I.E.L.D. is reportedly a stronger brand than Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and the other Marvel shows on Netflix. Uh, admittedly, the recent cancellations of Iron Fist and Luke Cage, as well as the uh, un apparent unlikelihood of another season of The Defenders, like the first, indicate that the show's brands weren't as strong as some expected. Still having stronger brands than the bigger Marvel Netflix hits is a big deal for S.H.I.E.L.D., if accurate. Now, okay. But let's but let's kind of break down though the big the big elephant in the room here the whole reasoning for all this shit right the 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 big thing here essentially is that right well think about this for a second uh, Shield does run parallel to the MCU it has from the beginning they kind of branched off a little bit in terms of you know cross connection back in 2015 uh, but for the most part it still runs parallel to what's going on I mean they really tried setting up the Inhumans on on season I think three of of shield thinking that the movie would be oh would be coming out in 2018 that's true the movie was originally the the Inhumans movie was going to launch on November 2nd of this year when it was announced back in 2014 right so it's like you know it's pretty funny that that happened um people were joking about it online like oh I saw the Inhumans movie it was great but no they've run parallel plus ABC is a much larger base right it has a much larger viewership it also is on Netflix so it's entirely possible that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, just because it runs parallel to the MCU and they release three MCU films a year, well, they, people watch. People pay attention to that more. And that's maybe what's helped, helped, it, helped it kind of eke along. Since Netflix doesn't release internal data, we don't know any of the details, but it does seem to make sense that S.H.I.E.L.D. would be a stronger brand, considering that it is a year and a half older than Daredevil. Uh, and it's kept on primetime Tuesdays. I think it went from 8 p.m. to like 10 p.m. I don't know. It's in that realm. Uh, and then they moved it to, no, not Fridays. Did they move it to Fridays? I don't remember. Again, I'm behind. I wait for the, I wait for it to come to Netflix, which is what a lot of other people do. I think, which is why I think it has a strong brand there, but, uh, that's kind of where I see it. So yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't really surprise me that agents of shield is, uh, more popular than Marvel shows. It really doesn't surprise me at all. What, uh, is, is uh, the Netflix series. It has everything to do with marketing everything to do with connect connectivity, right? We know that the Defenders or the Marvel series are connected in their own little world, which is great. And we know they reference the larger MCU as a whole. Fans for years have been begging for the crossover to happen uh, into the greater MCU. Kevin Feige keeps teasing it. Uh, they keep hinting at it, like Joseph Loeb keeps hinting at it, but really it boils down to Ike Pulmeter not playing ball and being a jerk against Feige. And I think that separation has ultimately impacted the brand in a negative way. It's one of the reasons why they're moving all those Marvel shows to the Disney Play service, right? Or the Disney Plus service. Tom Hiddleston is confirmed as Loki in that series. Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie are coming back for the Falcon and, and Winter Soldier series. Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Paul Bettany are going to be Scarlet Witch and Vision getting their series. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ant-Man get a series there or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just start migrating a lot of the smaller characters. Even though Ant-Man and the Wasp did well, I just, I don't see us getting 
seeing a third film, but I do see a series coming out of that one, right? Um, so, but it makes sense. It makes sense. When you have it separated, fans lose interest. And when you have your core audience here and the ancillary audience over here and the ancillary audience wants it to be this because they are also part of this audience and this audience doesn't know about this because they're not connected, that becomes a problem. Uh, I think they would have been a lot more successful had they actually been able to, to make this thing work, but they didn't. And that's their own damn fault, actually. And this is where we are, where we are. Uh, but expect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to 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 wrap up uh, with this particular season of uh, of the show. I think it's going to I think they're either going to uh, they're going to see how it does for the 13 episodes or 10 episodes or whatever it was chopped down to. And I think they're going to probably give it a, a full on series finale just because it's probably time now. This last story here is really interesting because uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, another Netflix show, is facing a $50 million lawsuit from Satanists. It's not something you hear every day, right? It's not something you hear all the time. Now, <laughs> it's all about this statue that you see right here. Uh, so it says here that, as Variety noted, the $50 million lawsuit claims the statue feature several elements uh, that make it an original expression subject to copyright. The Satanic Temple said the statue cost around $100,000 to design and build, basing it on the 19th century iconography. The original Baphomet statue shows two children looking up at a goat-headed man with awe. The statue shown on Netflix's Sabrina series looks very similar. The statue was first shown on episode two as a main feature in the Academy of the Unseen Arts. Now, the Satanic, uh, the Satanic Temple has become known for objecting to various religious statues and monuments. The Baphomet statue is now in Detroit, and but the temple wanted to place it alongside the representation of the Ten Commandments in Oklahoma, uh, which is as, that's unrelated, but it's it's pretty funny. Uh, now, it says here that the uh, that the Satanic Temple uh, filed the lawsuit on November eighth, asks for at least fifty million each for each alleged infraction, copyright infringement, trademark violation, and injury to the business's reputation. It's very odd that the Church of Satan would come out and say, "Hey guys, would you stop fucking with our reputation, please? You're making us look bad." can't be the only one that's laughing at that one. But to give you a, a closer uh, look here, this is this is what the the image is. Uh, you get a better idea here. So on the top image, if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, shows the Baphomet statue, and the bottom image shows the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Baphomet statue. And you can see that there are there are similarities here. There are also differences here. Um, part of it has to do with the fact that I think there is enough of a difference to probably be able to get uh, away with it, so to speak. Um, mostly because of just. I don't know. I could be wrong, but it's like you figured this is going to stuff's going to get vetted. All right. So I think they've done enough probably to be able uh, to, to get around the copyright. The, the facial designs are uh, different. The nose design is different. The chest design is different. Um, it looks like the wings are a little bit different. Um, maybe not so much on that one. Uh, the horn is missing. The centerpiece It's just the two horns. Um, things like that. Like there are enough differences there to where most likely they're not going to, you know, like they're, they're they might settle, but they're probably not going to do anything about it. Uh, the thing is too, is that the show is not, it's, it's while it's owned by Netflix, it's production company, uh, is going to be the CW guys like Berlanti because it's from the Riverdale crew. So 
you know, they're going to probably have to answer for this one, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. it I could be wrong and it's possible that they have a, a strong enough case and they're going to actually be able to, 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 to do this, that they're actually going to be able to uh, get the money off of this, but they want basically a hundred million dollars. Um, and uh, they're not going to get that, but uh, it does give them some press. It does give them some attention and it does give them uh, what they want in that regard. So I think ultimately that's this is what they're after. Uh, and I look, I fully support the Baphomet statue going and being next to the Ten Commandments on on church property or on state property, right? Because it's like, screw it. Keep religion out of all that stuff. Why not troll? Why not troll the Christians? I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, coming out against a Netflix series and claiming that you you suffer damages to your reputation is just uh, it, it feels like it's a little bit over the top in regards to uh, to, 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 you know, to. to <laughs> to litigation. Anyway, that wraps up today's episode of three buck theater. Today is the 12th of November, 2018. Again, a day that will be known for as the day Stanley passed away. Um, I do kind of want to quickly talk about the channel. If you guys are around this way, uh, that'd be great. Uh, I, I've been kind of going back and forth a bit on my own in regards to how I want to approach things. Um, I, I like doing the longer form podcast. The big problem with that is it doesn't go out to as many people. So building an audience out of that is kind of tough, but I do want to focus more on like analysis and like more op-ed stuff, um, which I want to, I don't want to flood the channel with, with, with many different videos every single day. Uh, I don't mind doing just a longer form thing and going from there. Uh, it's a bit of a slower growth, but, uh, I, you know, the audience that's here, I really do appreciate. And I do hope to do more with analyzing trailers and films and things like that. Um, in order to help build things out over here on Three Buck Theater because movies are ultimately my passion uh, and and I love them very, very, very much. I love talking about them very, very, very much. And I just want to find a way to, to do as much as I possibly can without making you guys uh, go through subscriber burn because it's, I post too much content. So that's why this is going to be this. Uh, certain stories will probably be clipped out always. Uh, Star Wars related content will be clipped out. Probably Mar some Marvel stuff will be re that's related will be clipped out and li linked back to the longer form podcast. Uh, and that's just in order to uh, bring in um, new viewers to the longer form stuff. Anyway, if you guys catch us, uh, if you guys are listening to this live, uh, you know, please, uh, please let me know down in the comments here. Uh, type uh, type Baphomet. <laughs> into the chat if you made it and if you are on itunes again thank you so much for listening i'll talk to you guys later have yourself a great day and peace out